But in, in the case of this take, I'm not saying that Shep is not not a Karen, okay? Is he a kin? <laughs> is that the male equivalent? <laughs> but maybe I am saying that? No, I kid. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Joining us now in Studio B is longtime BYU play-by-play man Dave McKinn. And Dave, we were just talking during the break. Like, it just the way that BYU lost the game to Oregon certainly leaves a bad taste uh, in the collective mouths of Unlike a people Cougar across Cougar Nation. Yeah. Yes, well played. Yeah, uh, not if it has that maple stuff on it. You're not a I'm maple not guy. Not a no. maple guy. I'm Shocking. never even going there. Not even trying it. So are you a big? Wait. Are you are you the guy that is pining for like a chocolate? I'm just Cougar saying tail? I will eat a Cougar tail if it's chocolate. Okay, that's it. You want chocolate frosting? Yeah. Wow. You know, like a chocolate bar that's been around since the beginning of time. <laughs> Just expand it, you know, multiply it by five times the size. Okay. Yeah, I was kind of bummed. The um, Having grown up, my dad was director of the Cougar Club for most all our life. And so many of the events were tied into getting people at the stadium, getting the alumni to leave their homes and go to the Rose Bowl or wherever. And, uh, and so when they do it, it's such an awesome thing. I saw it in Vegas for years uh, while working down there when Cougar fans would take over the place. But then when the product doesn't give them much to cheer for, you know, I've always felt bad for, I always felt bad for my dad more than for myself or the team because, well, they're working with the people. For, for the folks over there, that's it. BYU may not play in Oregon again. Um, and so when they come out and converge, you just want to give them something. So I was disappointed about that. How was it when Rex cut his touchdown? Was it... Was yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, the I, I think that we were estimating around eight thousand BYU fans yeah. from Dotson Stadium, which is pretty remarkable. That's the place tremendous. holds fifty-four. Like eight thousand BYU fans were there. You know how annoyed we'd be if that happened at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Super annoyed. Because that's what BYU right? fans like. Well, well, a lot of times the Utes get some folks in when they're all making in, the noise. Yeah. It's like. Who gave him those tickets? What are you doing here? Yeah, exactly. No, I, I call it Mormon settlement theory. We show up, we annoy the locals, we got to move on. Yeah, Oregon fans said it's, it's only one other occasion they felt like there have been that many opposing fans in the stadium, and it was Nebraska when they played Nebraska really? five years ago. Nebraska. There was gotcha. a big sea of red, and like BYU's, they said their BYU's fans equaled that. So a unique scenario. I remember. Puzzling an egg like that. I remember when, when BYU came to Vegas, Brandon Dome was the quarterback. They were ranked 20th, I think. Oh, one. And um, their dad's fourth and four, BYU's behind. The UNLV folks be like the biggest one ever. Um, there were tons of BYU fans in there. And, and Doman made a play to Mike Regal, and then he took the next play and ran it like 25 yards. I was down on the sideline, and I remember when Doman went inside the five to go in the end zone. The thunderous roar from the BYU crowd was, it turned me around. And I, that's where I really got the, you know what, on the road, BYU can take over places. And they took over that stadium. Uh, I just remember that feeling. And so when, during game day, when you were showing the contingent of BYU fans, I thought, you can really, you know, you can really punch someone in the gut by putting 10,000 people into their stadium. Uh, but the common denominator is the team's got to give them something. Sure. And Oregon's yeah. a great team, too. Yeah, yeah, so let's talk about that because there's a few things at play. One, Oregon's good. Otson is top 10, tough Better stadium. than we thought they were. Right? And we let him off the hook. Right, we did. Yeah. Uh, and, and BYU is very good, Dave. Yeah. That's, so where do you start with the concern of what we hope is an anomaly versus maybe a trend? 
I, I think the next two games, they should run the football. If they don't run the football against Wyoming and Utah State, there's a problem. Um, I don't think you can make that judgment on Baylor. Uh, you can, South Florida, they ran. Everyone ran. But Baylor was tough, and, and Oregon's tough. Um, and upsets happen. I wasn't an upset. Uh, Oregon was favored to win, and then they, they, but they, the way they won it was upsetting. Um, <laughs> yes, it but was. it wasn't an upset. <laughs> but I saw a stat. I saw a stat yesterday. After 32 NFL games, 16 favorites won, 16 underdogs won. How about that? Now, do you think every team that lost to an underdog is thinking we've done it all wrong? We got to change everything, or do they just go out in week three and go, let's do our thing and get to two and one? So we've had two case studies of positive and a, a case study of negative. So. The real midterm exam is Notre Dame and Arkansas. These next two games, I think, are to get it right. There's some margin for error. You can work through some kicking woes against Wyoming and Utah State. Mm -hmm. Still got to play good to win. But it's not, you know, the game shouldn't come down to a field goal these next two games. Um, so these two are, I think, the indicators. Can we play smash mouth football like we, we have done? Will we do that against Wyoming? I believe that offensive line I, I interviewed... Uh, uh, Clark Barrington yesterday, I believe they're going to come out agitated. You know, I would hope so. 6'5 and 300 and something pounds and agitated is how we beat Baylor. That's how we lost, you know, 6'5, 305, unagitated is how we got beat by Oregon. That's how Spence comes out every show, agitated, <laughs> just ready to go. And agitation, every show. agitation has a number right? of, there's a number of elements to agitation focus, yeah. Yeah. determination, embarrassment, you know. I'm an NFL potential player. I'm going to go play to my potential. All those things. And um, would, when Oregon plays Baylor, if they play in Waco, Baylor wins. Baylor plays Oregon and Eugene, Oregon wins. Baylor played here, BYU won. BYU played there, Oregon won. Let's play neutral. Let's We're talking that. about top 25 programs. Yep. And um, I was glad to see BYU stay in the top 20. I think they deserve to stay in the top 20. And they could back that up Saturday. Or if they come out and kick it around and barely win, then they don't deserve to be in the top 20. But I was glad the national media didn't kick them right out. Sure. The only good news about the Oregon game to me was that BYU stayed in the top 20. Because those two late touchdowns when BYU's down by 31 keep you in the top 20. If BYU doesn't, maybe scores one touchdown but not two, I think BYU's like 22nd or 23rd. We're kind of bugged. That mattered a little bit. In the, That was the only moral victory was, oh, yeah. stayed top 20. When you get outplayed – Outpositioned everything that Kalani said and, and Bywater said. Everybody, when you when that happens, as an observer, I only played one year of little league football, so Blaine and David will be the experts tonight. And after further review, but as an observer, when you get pounded like that, you know, we didn't all walk away going, "No, there's ten different things we choked to not win that game." That's painful. Think of all the Utah BYU rivalry you were just talking about. The doink on the field goal, the miss that. That's what makes those games painful. We still remember them. When you just get soundly defeated, you're going, okay, we got to play better against these guys. And then we have physical challenges coming up. Notre Dame, Arkansas, and, uh, you know, Boise State will be a physical challenge and Stanford and all that. But the springboard is we get through these next two games. Then you got Notre Dame and Arkansas as redemption games, the same way Oregon used our game. Arkansas here will be a tough game for BYU. It can be a very tough game for Arkansas. Oh, it will be. And I think we've pointed out the fact that Arkansas gets BYU at the end of just a gauntlet. Right. It begins with up. Texas A&M this week, hosting Alabama at Mississippi State. Then they got to travel to Provo after that at the end of that four-game slate. That is tough sledding for Arkansas. 
and they got to deal with the electric home crowd in Provo. Yep. You look at the schedule. If BYU is a legitimate top 20 team, and, and again, how they respond Saturday will tell us that. Uh, the road back into the top 10 at a New Year's Six Bowl is right out in front of them. The Oregon loss doesn't kill you if you beat Notre Dame and Arkansas. You got to go to Liberty. I mean, you still have to play good football. There's forever left in the season. Yeah. But uh, all is not lost. The BYU's not going to the championship playoff. You know what? <laughs> oh, no. There's only four teams that are going. We already know who they are. <laughs> Disappointment for everybody. It was fun while it lasted. But the, the opportunity to go where we've never been is still right there. Just how do they respond to getting their, their rear ends kicked? Yeah, and it's tough because there's only one at large with the Cotton and Peach being in the playoff this year. This is the worst year to have a great team uh, for BYU, unfortunately. But if we had said, hey, BYU's 2-1, top 23 games, we would have been happy preseason. And if you're going to lose a game, is this not the game to lose? That and perhaps were, Notre Dame and BYU Vegas? BYU was not supposed to win the game, according to Vegas. We just got excited because BYU beat Baylor. Well, that's what fans do. That's why, we, that's Absolutely. Why, that's why this show exists. And it's why on Saturday, people fill the L. Edwards Stadium again, and they'll tune in because it's, it's what we love. And... And I, a neighbor was bemoaning the game to me yesterday. I go, you'll feel better on Saturday. <laughs> because that's, that's how we court. do it. You know, it's, it's like a big glass of grape Kool-Aid on a hot day. <laughs> After you lose, you just feel better when your team plays and, and you win. Michigan's 3-0. Awesome. They beat uh, UConn. They beat Hawaii and uh, somebody else all at home. High school teams by Michigan standards. But they're 3-0, ranked number four, and they're feeling great. Do they know anything about themselves? Probably not. Um, BYU knows a lot about itself after three games against two top 25 teams and South Florida, which had Florida beat mm. in the swamp on Saturday, and then they, at the end they were just South Florida. Oh, those they, directional schools at the G5 it's, level. Jim. <laughs> it's easy to beat Florida. That's Kentucky. <laughs> yeah, ask Tennessee this week. Florida's not that good. Dave, maybe it's just a coincidence, but – the last four BYU losses have all been in the afternoon. Well, well, well. It's, it's very interesting. Now, are you buying into BYU <laughs> not being ready to play an afternoon game for whatever reason? Or is it just a coincidence in your mind? Well, who are the teams? Or, uh, UAB. UAB. Okay. Baylor, Baylor. Boise State at home. Yeah. And now Oregon. Boise State was inexcusable. What We fumbled three times in that game. Hadn't fumbled three times in a year and a half. Um, UAB feels, to a degree, inexcusable. Yep. UAB is inexcusable, even with our backups. Um, okay. Yeah, maybe there's something to that. that you know, the, the, there was the rain element in the Boise and UAB game. It didn't affect their team, but, but for some reason it, it affected BYU. Did BYU look over Boise State because Baylor was the following week? That kind of happens sometimes, as we figure, but... Yeah, afternoon games haven't been great. I don't know why, because they're great for the announcers. They're yes, they are. Great for the crew, because we don't have to stay up till 2 in the morning. Mm. Um, maybe that's a thing, but a lot of our games are played at 8.15 at night, and especially at home. Yep. Um, Including this weekend against Wyoming. And then next week's a Thursday night. Like, yeah. prepare yourself for a, a weird situation there. You know, that's going to be kind of cool, though, because it's prime time on ESPN. The NFL game's on prime, whatever. you got to go find that. Uh, and when they booked that, they expected the Aggies to play like the defending Mountain West Conference champions. The UNLV is probably going to beat them this week. And so that's a different kind of game, but it's a great stage for BYU to remind everyone they beat Bay Baylor. You know? Oh, yeah. At this point, it's to remind everyone they beat Baylor because they were ninth. 
And then your next big reminder is, hey, we beat Notre Dame in Vegas if they can do that. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. I'm stoked we know we're getting a black jersey. I, I know they had one last year, but I just love a black basketball jersey. Yeah, Rudy uh, revealed, he revealed a little bit. We don't know specifics, it's a little bit. but just that there's a black jersey. Yes. I'm and very... the white ones are the worst of the three, according to Bobby Hordusky. <laughs> Okay, we know what the white home uniform is going to look like. What do you hope the alternate, I assume that's the black uniform, looks like? Uh, I would love to see the black jersey with white lettering and royal trim Ooh, around royal the trim. white. Yes. I like that. I agree. I would like that as well. Yeah, incorporate royal and white into that. We'll see what it is. But honestly, I'm not going to be that picky. I've loved all the black uniforms that various BYU teams have used. Yeah, I like. I hope that they're bigger letters too, because the black jersey last year, it said Brigham Young, but I thought it was a little, it was kind of small. Let's just go BYU. Yeah, straight BYU. Let's go BYU. You know the yeah. black jerseys that BYU wore against New Mexico when they snapped New Mexico's crazy streak oh, yeah. and, uh, with Steve Cleveland. I think those it was '97 or '98. Bring those back. That type of setup with big BYU and white lettering and black jerseys with a little bit of royal trim. Yeah, you betcha. Agreed, love it. Pac-12 Commissioner George Klyovkov, Jerem, went on the offensive again yesterday saying, one, the conference is solid and all teams are committed, and the conference has had multiple schools reach out to the conference about joining. Which claim is more believable? That teams reached out. But does Long Beach State count if they were one of them? We assume that San Diego State wants to be in the Pac-12. For and sure. Then, Boise State wants to be UNLV, in the Pac-12. Colorado yeah. State, all of that. Did Utah State even try? Like, I, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, of course teams are going to reach out. Yes. Power five league? The rhetoric that the conference is solid and all the teams are 100% committed is just naive. It's it's just super naive. Okay, yeah, because we're still getting reports about Oregon and Washington maybe trying to, like, position to get in the Big Ten still and, like, Stanford and Cal. Like, those conversations are still happening. Come on, they're not committed. they're not committed until they sign a grant of rights. Exactly right. Committed. Exactly yeah. right. After reportedly the Pac-12 and ESPN were hundreds of millions apart in negotiations for TV deals that didn't include USC and UCLA, of course, Front Office Sports reports that the Pac-12 is, quote, hotly pursuing Amazon as a potential media rights partner. Okay. What do you think this means for BYU and the Big 12 and its upcoming TV contract? If Amazon is the primary carrier for the Pac-12. And we don't know if that's what they're going for as a primary or not, but if they are primary. I mean, yeah, if, if, if they are hundreds of millions of dollars away in negotiations between ESPN and the Pac-12, then certainly the door is open for a, a partner like Amazon to step in, and maybe Amazon takes over all of the Pac-12 network games. that are. And there are a lot, Jerem. There are a lot of those there type of games. Of, yes, BYU TV and me were also hundreds of millions of dollars apart in our negotiations <laughs> during the offseason. <laughs> Roughly even a million. But, yes, um, it, I want BYU with ESPN. Fox is great, too, in the mix there, but you just need to be on the mothership. And in terms of time, and we've seen that BYU wins at night, BYU needs to own that 820 slot on an ESPN. Sure, Big 12 after dark becomes a thing. If the Pac-12 is not going to take what ESPN is offering, that's good news for the Big 12. It is. It's great news for the Big 12. Then you occupy that space. Yes. BYU specifically. And maybe get a little bit more money out of it because ESPN's like, well, we don't have anything with the Pac-12. We need need. We need the Big 12. Yeah. All right. Will BYU women's soccer 
return to the top 25 at any point this season. Currently, they're three spots out. Yes, 100%. They have an off week this week, which, by the way, Jamie Shepard had surgery on her hand yesterday. Hopefully everything goes well there. Uh, St. Mary's next week, and then they play USF and Pacific. So, depending on what happens at the edge of the pole, it might be a sec because BYU's not going to have a notable win to climb back in, but maybe by default they slide up in in the next week or two. Hey, Portland's 24th, Pepperdine's number 11. BYU's going to have a couple of big opportunities to go and win some games. I'm happy Portland's back in. Yes. Because Portland women's soccer used to be legit. Where's Santa Clara? Who's been in the they, no, they've, College Cup the last two years? They got destroyed by TCU 7 0. Yeah. Like, it's been a different year. Huge drop off. Yeah. Regardless, there are some quality teams. The BYU will have a team. chance to make a statement. They were unranked at one point last year, Jerem. Remember that? After Utah State, perhaps? Just saying. Yeah. Uh, so, th what you're saying is they'll go to the National Championship. Well, maybe. On a flight from LA to Honolulu, Southwest Airlines gave everyone a free ukulele and an in flight <laughs> lesson. Best or worst flight ever? Nice. I love a you. <laughs> Best or worst flight ever? Uh, that's really cool, but like, did they did they tell everybody that you had to be quiet with the ukulele? I think at one point or they- Or was like, everybody play a ukulele at the same time! After uh, about 20 minutes, I think, they said, yeah, we said, okay, we're yeah. done, no more. <laughs> also, like, you gotta secure the where doors. are you putting it? Yeah, Is it like, in the, up, the compartment up uh, below? People are gonna go crazy in that plane if you don't moderate that like, thing. Like, cool, but also like, sort of like, Annoying. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't. I wouldn't call it the worst flight ever, but certainly yeah. it leaned more that a direction. Fun, I'd say like a fun ten minutes, but after the ten <laughs> minutes, it's like nobody play them anymore. <laughs> a fun ten minutes. That was the beginning of the BYU Oregon game. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. All right, Spence and RJ Young's latest Fox College football tiers. He has BYU dropping to a tier four team on the same level as Oregon and Baylor. Interesting. Fair. Oh, he does have Oregon to the left of BYU, which to that me no says matter. that Oregon is a little bit better than BYU. And, and then Baylor to the right, to the right because BYU beat Baylor. Utah's also to the right and Texas. So. I believe that R.J. Young is going from left to right. So as long as Oregon, which they have earned, is in front of BYU and BYU is in front of Baylor, that makes sense. And in your case, Jerem, as long as BYU is in front of Utah, that also resonates with you. I, I mean, yeah, I thought about this after I saw it. I thought, whoa, man, Oregon just took it to BYU. If they played that game, neutral field, not at Autzen, like again, let's say Oregon and BYU rematch in a bowl game, I think it would be pretty competitive. Like, Austin's a special we'd, place. We'd hope so. I underrated how special that place is. If they play it in Provo, I'm not sure I'm like, yeah, BYU absolutely wins. No, but I, totally different game, right? Sure. And if it kicks off after six, then yeah. Watch out. <laughs> Watch out. Yeah, I mean, are you buying this on tier four? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I BYU, think it's, BYU's BYU's totally fair. Space. Yeah. Yes. What Based is Oregon on this the Baylor week? win. What is Oregon this week, 15? Yeah. And BYU's 19? It's not that much of a shocker. Yep. Okay, I need you to help me with this numbers matrix because I'm not this sure graph. I can. Well, I, I, I didn't take a math class at BYU. Oh, man, no stats. science or math? No, I did. You and I did oh, communications. Yeah, yeah. The easiest degree at BYU. Okay, maybe you can't help me with this, but Probably I'm going to show it to you anyway. This graph was posted by CFB Numbers on Twitter showing football coaches' average point differential based on talent advantage. Mm -hmm. What do you make of this numbers matrix that has Kalani Satake, we think, in a good position? Yeah, yeah he's in a good position. Uh, Kyle Whittingham has done a great job with that as well. Luke Fickle, Davo Sweeney, 
Uh, Jamie Chadwell, Coastal Carolina, you know, Appalachian State, you know. Yes, uh, listen, the easy part of our degree was the academic part wasn't challenging, but we had to learn other things. That was the challenging yes. part. But yeah, uh, Kalani Stock is in a good spot in this. Because BYU always overachieves. Maximizes given talent. the recruiting rankings and perceived disadvantages or advantages, BYU always overachieves. The Cougars do a great job because they develop players. They have really quality coaches. And is BYU paying everybody what they deserve at the same level of P5? No, not necessarily. They're doing their best to get to that point. Getting better, we Getting think. better. Uh, staff is increasing. But BYU overachieves given what the talent rankings are. But who is to say, uh, you know, discipline and hard work and heart and whatnot, that's hard to quantify. BYU has a lot of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, this is what BYU has built their brand on. Like, look, you might not be the most notable high school athlete, but you come to BYU, we will put you into a winning program. We will maximize your talent. We will develop you. And Kalani Sataki absolutely deserves credit for that. Zach Wilson, three-star. Tyler Ogier, no star, two-star? No, no, star? one-star maybe? Maybe. Like, maybe. Uh, he yeah. was a walk-on at BYU. Yes. They, like, they, BYU's done a great job. Both those guys were drafted. Right, let's go. Volleyball begins West Coast Conference play tonight against LMU. Will the Cougars win the West Coast Conference again? Man, this is a loaded question because the West Coast Conference is much tougher with San Diego and Pepperdine, both ranked in the top 20. Pepperdine's one spot below BYU right now at number 17, San Diego number six or sorry number four number four. even better even better crazy right ah I think this is a lot to ask BYU uh, they face tough competition but if they're gonna win the West Coast Conference Jim, they got to win at San Diego and they, they have to win at least one of the two at Pepperdine or at San Diego BYU is capable of doing that but I'm not expecting them to do that to me it doesn't matter if BYU wins the league here's why BYU's got to get to the Sweet 16 again that's what BYU does if you get to the Sweet 16 you're good. But the challenge will be, can BYU be good enough to host the first and second rounds? Because that's the key. If you can host those, Top BYU's, 16 seed. BYU's tough to beat at home. They're not going to have to play a pit-type team at home in the first two rounds. Well, their RPI and schedule are much tougher and better this year Yes. in those regards. So that will help them. Yes. As a shape for the postseason. Tested, but did not get one of those three top ten wins, unfortunately. How about this? FIFA 23, the great soccer franchise video game, will feature Ted Lasso and AFC Richmond, the Greyhounds. Jeremy, will that be your team of choice in FIFA 23? Yes, uh, Danny Rojas, uh, football is life. Football is life! I, yes, and uh, Roy Kent, uh, Roy F. Kent will be my uh, defender, and I will stop a ton of, yes, absolutely. I'm all in on that. Be like a uh, Yeah, Roy, Roy Kent. Roy Kent is available. The ageless wonder. <laughs> this, uh, yeah. You gotta watch out for the cursing with Roy Kent, though. Roy that's, Kent. That's, you, for you know, sure. that's not coming with the game, let's <laughs> Former Ute, Britton Covey, my favorite Ute of all time, perhaps, was denied access to the player's parking lot because he plays for the Eagles at the uh, Vikings game on Monday night. He had to walk half a mile through tailgaters, uh -huh. find a spot to park to get to the fly, stadium. Fly, Eagles, fly! <laughs> he had to fly to get into the game. Despite being a Ute, is this the most BYU story ever? Yeah, totally a BYU story. And again, this just, there are two players that every BYU, like former Utah players that every BYU fan loves, Eric Weddle and Britton Covey. Yes. And this just makes him more likable. Like the Eagles fans, after they heard about this, like, they already loved him. They love him even more. He is an endeared player in the yes. Eagles fan base. I love this. I think Britton Covey is one of the most genuine people he's ever. Great. I love this. He's, he's great. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio.
The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Well, I know what's on my Christmas list now. Some new BYU basketball shorts. It's on your Halloween gift list. Calling Bobby Hordusky. Bobby, are you there? <laughs> Welcome back to Studio B. This is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton. This is Jerem Jordan. And here to help us talk about those new uniforms, oh, and the actual basketball that's going to oh, be yeah. up here pretty quickly, is transfer point guard Rudy Williams. Rudy, it's great to What's have up, you in the new version Thank of Studio guys. B. Thank you, guys. You know, you guys, nice little renovation. It looks good around here. You came at a good time in the history of BYU. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Life's good right now. The new unis, the, the set, the yeah, Big yeah, 12. Throw that up. Look at what, that. What do you think? These are nice. What do you think of the clean, new, white BYU uniforms right there? Honestly, I'm a big fan of them. You know, they're simple, but, like, they're nice and clean. Uh, I feel like on, like, when we put them on during the games, they're going to look way better than what people may have thought and seen, like, their first reaction on the Internet. And this is your actual uniform. It's yeah, this is name this is mine. So Number yeah. three. That's a good number. Yeah. I'm excited. So walk one. me through the emotions of seeing your last name and your number on that BYU jersey. Because you've had an interesting path, but now you are here. Um, Honestly... It's kind of, it gave me chills the first time when we saw him, you know, we kind of, we obviously saw him before everybody else, but we saw him last week and it gave me chills just because when I was a little kid, like the first March Madness game, like I ever watched, which when I was in sixth grade was the, like the Jimmer, the Jimmer team, My man. those runs. So like Jimmer Fredette was the first thing I knew about March Madness, NCAA. So, you know, just, you know, now I'm all grown up now yeah. and I'm getting to wear the BYU blue. So That's pretty cool, dude. It's a full circle thing for me. So it's ha- pretty Have cool. you met him? Has he been in town when you've been here? I met him uh, he was here two at, weeks the ago at the Baylor game. Yeah. You met him? He knew my name. Uh, oh, I was, dude. I was, uh, <laughs> That's I was on, cool. I was on some fanboy stuff. And, uh, <laughs> BYU basketball put out a video of me like a couple weeks back and he liked it. And I remember showing my brother because I go on my phone and Jimmer Fredette liked your video when I was... I became That's cool. I was like, yeah, this is crazy. He's the most personable superstar <clears throat> I've ever met in my life. I guess I haven't hung out with that many superstars. He's one of our own, right? But he is so personable. Like, yeah. he's a good hang. He's, he's great. He's great. Okay, so Spencer mentioned your, your path here. You've been to various places. You're from Canada, Hamilton, yes, Ontario. Um, what's your journey been like uh, as a basketball player and a person to get to this point? Uh, I'll start with as a person. Um, you know, my journey's been pretty different, you know, it hasn't been like traditional. Uh, I've kind of had to grow up on the fly throughout the years, you know, in high school and junior college and stuff like that. Um, you know, kind of had to mature really fast, you know, because I got sent out by myself pretty much when I was like a sophomore in high school. I left home, you know, to obviously pursue basketball. That's when I moved to America. And, um, you know, it's taught me a lot of stuff, you know, it's taught me, you know, independence, how to be independent. It's taught me hard work, you know, how to be tough, because, you know, I was always by myself. So, like, you know, the only person I could really lean on was myself. You know, I had family, and obviously I had a support system, but, like, they're all far away, you know, like, I was away from home. And I I would say, as a basketball player, you know, growing up, I would just, throughout the years, I would just say, honestly, just have to develop and just get better every step of the way, every stage, every journey, every new spot. So, yeah, I would say those are, like, the two main things. So you went to uh, JC in Oklahoma, yes, right? Sir. What was the name again? Northeastern Oklahoma and m Okay, and then uh, Kansas State mm-hmm. for a year, and then Coastal Carolina. You're our, you're our favorite thing about Coastal Carolina. That will always be the case. Uh, that will always be the case. <laughs> and then now to BYU. So, why, um, and we've talked to you before about this, but why BYU now for you? 
Um, honestly, I felt like the timing was just perfect. Uh, when I was dealing with the whole transfer portal stuff, you know, BYU reached out and they their pitch was just a little bit different than all the other schools. You know, I was reached out by some pretty good schools and stuff like that, some pretty big names. But um, you know, it was just, I just felt like it was real when you know when I spoke to Coach Pope and when I spoke to Coach Figer and all the other assistants and all that. It just it was real and like you know their our visions aligned and it just felt it just felt right. You know, I remember I took my recruiting trip here and I remember leaving and I was like, I'm a fool not to come here. Honestly, I remember telling my family that so. That's great. Rudy Williams of BYU Basketball with us on BYU Sports Nation. He ain't no fool. You know, in, no. in talking with your teammates, they quickly point out, like, Rudy is the ultimate team guy. He's the ultimate leader. He's the leader that this roster needs because there are a lot of new faces. And, you know, as a team guy, I can't help but notice that you're rocking the George Helping Hands Foundation t-shirt. You're giving love to Gideon George. Yeah. Can we zoom in on this? Um, <laughs> Shout out my boy G. You know, he's doing, um, he's doing something special. You know, he's not just thinking about himself. You know, people have helped him get to where he is today. So now he's just trying to, you know, return the favor and help a lot of other kids that, you know, and he's making a big difference. So yes, he is. Shout out to him. What do you think of your team overall? That includes Gideon, <coughs> excuse me, Gideon George, who is slated to be a starter along with yourself. What do you think of the roster makeup thus far? Um, me personally, I love the guys. Like, you know, every day we practice, every day when we're competing, like, you know, I, tr I trust these guys. You know, I know I can depend on them. I know I look to my left, I look to my right. These guys are working hard. I'm not going to single anybody out, but like everyone brings it every day. Everyone's about the right stuff. And I, my personal favorite thing, like basketball-wise, is everyone can shoot the ball. Like I, I love it. Like I pass the ball to somebody and they get it off. I'm just like, I got an assist. Like that's how I think in practice. You know, obviously when we get towards the November time, like I know I can trust these guys. When I give them the ball, they can make plays happen. So I'm very excited about that. There are some familiar names. There are some, a lot of new guys. 12 of the 18 on the roster, I think, are, weren't on the roster last year. One of these that I'm excited to see, especially, is Noah Waterman, mm -hmm. who is a 6'10 dude who can light it up. He is unique yeah. in that way. Because of his length, people will expect him to be in the post. That's an old mindset. Yeah. Everybody can shoot. Yeah, the whole team, literally, everyone can. You know, we put a lot of work in with jump shots and, you know, shooting the ball and getting reps up. Coach tries to uh, emphasize getting up a thousand threes, each player a thousand threes a week. So you kind of have to divvy it up 200 something shots a day if you want to get it done before the weekend. Have you fallen to like Saturday where you need 500? Uh, no, not that much, but <laughs> I was in the gym this past Saturday and I, the number I had to get up was 226. So I had to Saturday night, Woo! I had to you know run to the annex and I was like, oh, I owe 226. So, you know, I had to get that done. But, you know, everyone on the team can shoot the ball. Everyone's skilled. Everyone plays the right way. And, you know, it's just, it's really, it's been a lot of fun so far since I've been here. Okay, well, you made a drastic improvement uh, from going from Kansas State to Coastal Carolina. You shot 44% of the three-point line, and, and now you're looking to do something even better. So what type of changes do you make, you know, to, to work on specifically the three-point shot that is becoming such a pivotal and integral part of modern basketball? Yeah. Um, honestly, I would just say, you know, Biggest thing for me has been just, you know, extending the range, you know, guys figure out that, you know, you can shoot the ball well, you know, that's going to be on the scattering report, you know, that that's whatever the number is, 44%. Um, you know, you might have to, guys might play you different ways, so you might have to get your shot off three-point lines here, you might have to get it off a little bit further. So, you know, I've been working on extending my range throughout the summer, and then obviously since I've gotten here, me and Coach Figure, we've been working really hard at that. Um, and yeah, you know, honestly, just staying consistent, staying in the gym, I feel like you know, guys who are good shooters, it comes with confidence. You know, obviously that's time put in the gym. So, 
you know, that's what I'm just trying to stay at. And you increased 15% on your percentage, which is notable, and tripled the amount of makes. Uh, how did you do that last year? That's a big jump. Um, honestly, I would just say it was just confidence and, you know, believing in myself and believing in the time that I put in. Uh, you know, I, was, I had a lot of uh, trust, like the coaches trusted me at Coastal Carolina. And, you know, it, it gave me a lot of confidence in myself to, you know, go out there and perform well. So. Rudy Williams is on BYU Sports Nation. Of your teammates, and again, as Jaron pointed out, 12 new faces on this roster. So, yeah, the coaches are dealing with a lot of new pieces and trying to fit this puzzle piece together. Of your teammates, which surprised you the most? Where you're like, whoa, like this, this dude, this dude can ball. Um, I got three guys. Okay. First, I'm going to go with Richie Saunders, freshman. Um, Richie, he brings it every day in practice. Like, you don't got to tell him to turn it on. You never catch him, you know, lacking. Uh, you know, he, he plays his butt off every day, and he's one of those guys who I've depended on a lot to make a bunch of shots, and he's not let me down. Um, and then I would also say Jared McGregor, walk on. He was one of the managers last year. You know, coach gave him a shot. He's got some serious game. You know, if you come watch a practice of ours, that is evident in, like, mm. the first two minutes you watch him go up and down. And then I would also say Trayden Christensen, too, another walk on. Uh, we were playing pickup about two weeks ago, and both those two guys, Jared and Trayden, they just – surprised the heck out of me and I was just like I was like these dudes are actually good you know and you know <laughs> them being walk-ons some guys you know people will probably look over them and stuff like that but those guys got game and they will prove it really fast okay first uh practice is Monday and we're gonna be there uh at night live to see it which would be super fun what are you most excited about to get this thing going officially on Monday uh I'm just excited for you know for us to be together for a longer period of time obviously with the NCAA rules we're only allowed what is it, uh, eight hours in the week. Um, now with mon starting Monday, it's going to be like up to 20, I'm pretty sure. I'm not the NCAA rulebook guy, but I'm pretty sure it's 20. So, you know, we're going to be together for a long amount of time, which is going to help us grow. You know, like you said, 12 new faces. We're going to need that. You know, everyone needs to be on the same page, and we're just going to have more chances to just grow our chemistry and learn each other more. What's the identity of this BYU basketball team at this point? Um, at this point right now, I would just say playing super hard. You know, in practice, everyone's playing super hard. Everyone's working their butt off. Coach Pope always talks about, just says, you know, like when we play, people aren't gonna understand like what we're doing and what's happening, you know, as, as the game goes on because we're just gonna, you know, just break guys apart, break them down defensively, offensively. And then, you know, when the clock hits zeros, they're just gonna look up and everyone's gonna be like, what just happened? So mm -hmm. we're playing super hard right now in practice. Uh, do you have one year of eligibility? Is this it for you? Yeah. Okay, so we got to savor every second here. Yeah. Um, what, what are you hoping to accomplish in your final season of college basketball? Um, obviously, March Madness is the ultimate goal. You know, I want to hang some type of banner, if it's whether it's a conference championship or tournament conference championship. You know, I just want to leave my mark. Mm -hmm. I'm leaving. I'm walking out these doors in a couple months. So that's what I want to do for myself. And then, you know, I just want to set myself up to, you know, have a good position to become a pro and, you know, have a good opportunity when that time comes at the end of the year. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, you were number three because you seek to emulate Chris Paul. Uh, yeah, honestly, grew up a big CP fan. Um, one of my best friends, Shay Alexander, he uh, played with him on the Oklahoma City Thunder. And, uh, you know, I kind of just, that's when I really started paying attention to him, like, you know, and I started, like, just dissecting his game. And I was just like, yeah, if I can even play like as half of this guy or a quarter of this guy, I, you know, mm. I'll be in good shape one day. So. How do you know Shea? Just grew up with him, you know, nice. uh, back home. 
Same age? Yeah. Uh, he's a little bit older than me. I met him in like fifth grade at a basketball camp, and we've been close ever since. He's tremendous uh, uh, for the Thunder, formerly with the Clippers. Yeah, yeah, he's pretty Great. decent at basketball. He's, yeah, he's, he's all right. He's okay. <laughs> he's all right. He's Shea right. Gilgis what, Alexander he's got one okay. of the best names in uh, all the all of uh, the NBA. Okay, we've seen the wide jerseys. Do you want to tease the other jerseys like a road, maybe an alternate, or are you going to uh, hold that information? I'm going to hold that information. Okay. Just know, and I quote Coach Bobby. He said. These ones, I know we got a good reaction out of these ones yesterday when they dropped, but he said these are the worst out of the <laughs> That's what he told us. So I know, love that's it. pretty good. Those are the worst. Yeah, those are, those these, are clean. If these are that's the good. worst, then you know I'm excited about the the royal and I'm excited about the black. So Okay. Yeah. We need to get you up. I wanted a black new, jersey. I'm we, so excited. Can we get I you modeling black the new uniforms? Um what is this Trevin Nell business? I, I think, you know, I mean Trev, he did a good job. Oh, with he did. It. Trevin looked great. Uh, I think I can pull that off. Tre uh, Trevin off is the most modelish player on the team. It's true. I thought that was a good move. <laughs> I love Trev that way. Well, his, I mean, he's got a wife that's got some experience in that genre. She's too, an actor. Right? She's yeah, a model. She, hey, it's a model family. I get he's it. Let's, let's, get, let's get Rudy some notoriety. Model citizen as well. Yeah. I got to work on my model game. It's, <laughs> oh, good. It, Trev, Trev was the guy. He was the guy. Rudy, you get buckets, you'll be just fine. And it's, you'll hey, be great to have you here in Studio B, Rudy. Yes, sir. Appreciate you guys. Talk to you soon. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Okay, Spence, Fox College Football asked who the best one-loss college football team is. What's your answer to this, and why is it BYU? Uh, yeah. <laughs> It's unbelievably not BYU. It is Oregon. I okay. agree. Utah, Baylor, Oregon, and then it says other, but Jaron Hall and BYU are pictured in yeah. this graphic because yep. they're just on the outskirts potentially. Um, I mean, the case against everyone else besides Oregon is stronger uh, because who has Utah beaten? Baylor lost head-to-head -head against BYU. BYU just lost to Oregon, who's on the list. So through three weeks, like, it's Oregon. It's Oregon. You don't punish them for the Georgia performance and you value them for the BYU performance. They, what we need to say about the, the Georgia game, it was like a road game, okay? It was like playing at Georgia, it was in Atlanta. Semi away, as they say. Yes. BYU women's volleyball, we mentioned, gets a sweep over LMU. What do you expect against 17th ranked Pepperdine in the Smithfield House tomorrow? A great match, BYU 60 and two in WCC home games under Heather Olmstead the last eight years. The, uh, the two losses, by the way, are to San Diego. Mm -hmm. It was ranked number four. I expect a great match. Can BYU pull this off? They've got to clean up some things, Spence. This would be big time for sure. Uh, I expect a BYU win, but it's, this, is, this feels like a four or five set match. Let's go. At the BYU-Baylor game, BYU TV gave out these uh, clear bags to fans as they entered the stadium. Yep. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and show these off. Uh, yeah. Now we uh, get this tweet from Clint, uh, Colin Bishop. My BYU Sports Nation bag is working like charms at airports. TSA Ooh. always takes the grits for further inspection. I don't know what that means, but my dad had grits for breakfast okay. yesterday on his birthday. Now I don't have them rummaging through my entire bag. Nathan Young also weighs in. So I came home from work a week and a half ago and found one of these on my kitchen table. I live in Oklahoma. I learned that my son's math teacher got it while supporting her Baylor Bears. Gave it to my son. He's been known to wear BYU swag occasionally. <laughs> Spencer, what's the actual purpose of these bags? Uh, I... I have no idea, Jerem. Is it a scripture case? Yeah, maybe. Is that what we gave I to mean, the people? It, it could be. It could be. Phone holder? It, phone holder? That's a big freaking you know, phone. like, you keep your things in it for game day, like a water bottle, a phone. Yeah. Uh, anything yeah. else you take with you to the stadium that 
is approved. I Hopefully don't know. Take home great memory. The question is, do you wear it on your hip or do you wear it like like around your waist or do you wear it over your shoulder? Over the shoulder, like Jamal. No, okay. he's a fanny pack. He's, guy. Yes, right. exactly right. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Dallin Holker departs BYU football. Let the coaches know on Monday his intentions to transfer away from the program. No indication of where he is going at this moment. We can certainly speculate. That's not what we're here to do. We're here to discuss Utah. what it means for BYU football, Jerem, specifically, and what it means after his dad, Bob, told the Deseret News the following, and I quote, Dallin will be somewhere that will utilize their tight ends and allow him to get on the field and help his team. Now, this is interesting because BYU's tight ends, at least thus far in the season, have been very active. 19 of the 78 receptions this season 25%. Yep. Cougar Stats pointed out this morning that is the number that has gone to the BYU tight ends, Jerem. So how will this affect the BYU offense that seemingly is using the tight end this year now that Dallin Holker decides to leave? First off, it's it's uh, tough because Dallin's a good player. Yes, he is. And this is a bummer. Uh, he was he was going to be a star for BYU. And Jerem, he scored the, a touchdown this season. Yes. Uh, had five catches on Saturday, as you pointed out. Uh, I was very excited about Dallin, and you asked me right before the season coming in who's kind of an off-the-radar guy, and I said, hey, Dallin Holker, it's time for him to, to be one of the main guys, right? And apparently he's not main enough uh, and wants to transfer, which is, uh, which is a bummer. The reason he wants to transfer is because BYU is too diverse in its skill positions at receiver and tight end where they have a lot of options. If, if he was the third best option on the team, he would get the ball a lot, but he's one of many great options. And that doesn't even include Puka Nakua and Gunnar Romney, who haven't played the last two games, in Gunnar's case, all three games. Isaac Rex is a tremendous tight end. That pairing with Dallin Holker was very exciting. And there's a lot of Dallin H's around here. Dallin Hall, Dallin H. Oaks was here last week, I think, right? So a lot of Dallin H's around. But it was... It's, it's a bummer because he was part of this group that, listen, when Jaron Hall looks around, he's not going, I need to go over here because I know that guy's going to make a play. Cody Epps is emerging. Braden Cosper was the number one receiver out of Utah in high school, a guy that's part of th this now. Not to mention, of course, Chase Roberts and then uh, the big two, as I mentioned. So it's a, it's a talented group, and that's where the issue is here. And so that's why I don't think there will be a massive issue. Also, Mason Wake is an H-back type where he's a fullback and a tight end. It's a bummer, but it's not like, oh, BYU's in huge trouble now because Dallin Holker's transferring. I would love for him to still be here, and I think he'd be an even bigger option next year. But uh, BYU's got a lot of great options. Yes. Isaac Rex has NFL notoriety. He is clearly on the radar. Mel Kuyper had him as one of the top five most draftable prospects currently with BYU football. In fact, he slated him as a late-round pick. Okay, So it's tough when your tight end counterpart is getting that type of attention and notoriety. And he had a huge season with Zach Wilson. Isaac Rex is one of those benefactors of the Zach Wilson season in 2020 with 12 touchdown catches. Dipped off a little bit last year, but caught a touchdown against Oregon on Saturday. And, I mean, he's just in the limelight. So Dallin Holker's kind of in that shadow. Now, I spoke with a a few people close to the situation to try and get some uh, more ideas on to, to what, what Dallin wanted. and The ball? Uh, well, yes, but apparently how, like, 
how he was getting the ball or not getting the ball was bothersome to him. How? What do you mean? So he's, he's a multiple type player. Okay, down obviously tight end, but he was uh, split out at times uh, playing in the Neil Pau role. Okay, but because BYU but not is, as a tight end as a receiver. No, yeah, like he can do a lot of different things, and yeah. so he anticipated that it would be more of that. And BYU's scheme has changed through three games a little bit. The run game has not been as productive as they thought. And so that has changed how they want to utilize Isaac Rex and Dallin Holker in the tight end position. Yeah, it's, it's been adjustments. But I, clearly it's not just three games. Like, this doesn't happen just after three games. This has been on his mind for a long time. I don't feel like Dallin Holker and his family would be like, well, let's, uh, let's just make this decision based on you know, some frustrations after two games. Like, this clearly has been on the, the family's mind Seems and so. Dallin's mind for a long time, yeah. right? And then when things have not gone the way that he was hoping for and his role in this current BYU offense, then he, you know, says, all right, I gave it a try. It's not, what, it's not working for me, and I'm out. Uh, now what, though? Like, with Dallin Holker leaving, like, who now gets the ball more if in place of Dallin Holker? Is it Carter Wheat? Is it just more Isaac oh, Rex? Tight end. Yeah. Is it just more Isaac Rex? Or is it like, hey, let's utilize Houston Haymooley because BYU's been u- utilizing Mason Wake in a hybrid fullback tight end role as well? Perhaps. I don't know that it will necessarily be a one for one. And that's good insight there. Uh, I, I don't know that it will be a one for one. Just this player replaces Dallin. There's just so many options there. Chase Roberts, Cody Epp. Keanu Hill, Braden Cosper. By the way, Mason Gunnar Lake, Romney Isaac and Puka Nakua are not even playing right That's now. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't. I don't mean this. I don't mean this to be mean at all. But like, when when any one individual isn't in the mix with this group, you almost don't notice them. Like, that it's a good group. Would would Puka Nakua and Gunnar Romney have helped at Oregon? Certainly. I don't think BYU wins with them. But those are two big names. Like Puka's an NFL guy. Gunnar feels like a fringe NFL guy. Maybe, maybe he does what Dax did and makes it. and is a guy. Maybe. That'd be great. Um, th- th- those two stick out, but everyone else, really viable options. I don't sit here and go, oh, I don't know if this guy should get targeted. Everybody gets targeted. Cody Epps caught his first touchdown pass. This yeah. is a dude that in high school played with Bryce Young, the Heisman Trophy winner and Alabama quarterback and future maybe number one pick next year. And he was a high school first team All-American in high school. BYU does not get a lot of those guys. Now he is like the number five receiver. Yeah. In the you know what I mean? Like this is a talented group, and uh, it's a bummer that Dallin is transferring. But BYU has got a, a loaded room with tight ends and receivers. Yeah, interesting. And I understand the confusion from BYU fans because we heard Holker's name called a lot on Saturday with the five catches, and he scored a touchdown. So that's tough. And, yeah. and let me clarify something by saying Neil Pau's role. Remember Dennis Pitta and Johnny Harleen? I do remember. Step Dennis out into Pitta. the slot. Yeah. Okay. They were tight ends, yes, but they would be utilized in, and sometimes in wide receiver sets and positions. Like that type of scenario, I think, is what Dallin Holker was going for. And Isaac Rex. You know, he's always been known for this. This yes. was Gordon Hudson. This was Chris Smith. This was Byron Rex. This was all those guys. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Tough to compete with Isaac Rex when, uh, you know, he's the main dude. And now Dallin Holker looks to find uh, his own path and become the main dude somewhere else. Hey, anywhere but Utah. Topic two, oh. through three games, have your season expectations changed for BYU at 2-1 and one coming off the Oregon line? No, because remember what we said a month ago? Oh, if BYU can just be 2-1 and one after the first three games, that means they've either beaten Baylor or Oregon, or I guess lost to South Florida and beaten Baylor and Oregon. But yeah, they've beaten one of those two really good Power 5 teams. Yep. BYU's probably ranked 
which they are, number 19, and in complete position to still win 10 games this season. Now, whether or not that includes a bowl game win or not, that's to be determined. But, no, my expectations haven't changed. BYU's in the top 20. They're 2-1. They have a win over Baylor, and they dominated South Florida. And now they have a great chance to be 4-1 going into that Notre Dame game. Now, when you get to Notre Dame and Arkansas, that's, again, where things and expectations can shift. But right now, they're yes. totally in line with what I expected. I expected BYU to be 4-1 going into the Notre Dame game and have a shot at 10 regular season wins. Now, when they get to Las Vegas, we'll see after that. We will certainly assess after the Notre Dame and Arkansas games. But right now, no, I'm still at 9.5. Like, depending on what happens with those two big games coming up in early to mid-October, BYU right now, 9.5 wins projected. If they beat Notre Dame then maybe that creeps up to 9.75 wins, <laughs> right? It all, yes, it it's, all depends on... It swings on a little bit more toward 10 the, regular totally. season wins. Yeah. But take care of business this week, then beat Utah State. Then if you can get Notre Dame or Arkansas, then they're just right on the path that I think that they would have been, you know, going back to the preseason. This all depends on if you think the Oregon game was an anomaly or a trend. If you think it's an anomaly, then maybe you're still in the 10-2 and two regular season camp. If you think it's a trend, you're probably in the 9-3, and 8-4 and four camp. If BYU plays like it did against Oregon, against Notre Dame and or Arkansas, it'll be an 8-4 and four regular season. Like, it will be. But, but if they that, play like they did against that, Baylor. But that team isn't going to show up again. The, the team that didn't perform against Oregon will not show up again this season, I believe. I believe that BYU will split against Notre Dame and Arkansas, obviously hoping for 2-0 in our super biased, paid-by-BYU opinion. Even a split. But even a split, realistically, is good. Then you walk out of the first, what, seven, uh, you know, or six, five and one? I think seven Arkansas games? might be the seventh Arkansas game. Seven. Yeah, it'd be five I, and two if you split there. There might be another slip-up somewhere, let's be honest. The, re, the reality is probably that. We hope not. But a 9-3 and three regular season would be tremendous. I would take 10 wins right now with a bowl game for this season. This is a, this is a tough schedule. It's a long season. It's a talented group, but sometimes you, you lose, and it happens. Whatever. Mine haven't changed either because I feel like the Oregon game was an anomaly. I could see, though, if you're like, no, no, no. That's, that BYU team on the road is going to be the road team against Notre Dame, and maybe Arkansas is just better than BYU. But it's at home, and let's hope it's at night. Because as you pointed out, the night-day thing is a real deal here. The real deal. Uh, and and uh, Vanquish Defoe put out the numbers, I believe. And what was it? It was like 21-1 and one in night games. Yeah, like nine from and 6 p.m. on. Yes. And then what was it? 9 and 10. In Pre 6 p.m. Yes. kickoffs? Are you kidding me? If you're a sub 500 team, if you kick off at before six, strange. Very know, strange. strange. And people say, well, are they just playing tougher teams in the afternoon? It's like, well, there's a home loss to Boise State last year in there, and a bowl game loss to UAB in there. There's every FCS there's team. A Northern as well. Illinois loss in there in the every afternoon. Every year on BYU TV, we say, BYU football, what time do you want to kick? We'd ideally do it in the afternoon, and they say 1 30. So we do it at 1 30. If BYU football said midnight, we'd be like, be like okay, let's go. <laughs> We're going to play on Sunday. We have to kick at 11.59, though, can't we? You want some of the best news I'm going to give to you all day? Ooh, let's go. BYU will not play in a tougher environment all year. Yeah. No. Than what they face at Oregon. No, no, not no. even close. No, not even close. Not even close. Right now, Boise State fans are like, what? No. Albertson yeah. Stadium. Boise State can't even sell out their 28,000-seat stadium because the juice is low with yes. the program. The juice is loose. Like, it's gone. 
And then, and then at Stanford, the nickname by opposing uh, Stanford fans is that that place called the library. Good grief. I've seen a game there. It's over Thanksgiving it was, weekend, too. It was bad. Like, any students oh, that yeah. would go to the football game? Oh, yeah. All gone no. over Thanksgiving break. If BYU's 9-2 walking into that ranked, uh, you know, 14th like, or whatever. Liberty? I don't. Uh, is Lynchburg, Virginia going to produce a crowd that even comes to 20% of what Autzen Stadium produced? No. So there you go. BYU's <laughs> not going to play in an environment Anything that close to what they had to deal with on Saturday. Toughest road game Check. has been checked. Again, I told you, if you have to lose a game, that's yeah. the one to lose. Well, Las Vegas. Uh, uh, excuse me. Have you seen the LDS population in Las Vegas and those ticket prices are dropping? And you think Notre Dame fans are like, yeah, I'm going to Vegas now. No, there's some people that are selling their tickets because Notre Dame's not as good as they used to be. If you need two, let me know. I have two that I'm trying to find. All right. Well, hey, <laughs> there you go. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Here are what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Joining us now for another Maddich Monday is ESPN college football insider and expert Trevor Maddich. And there are a lot of things I love about Trevor one of them is the fact that win or lose for BYU, he is always ready to go on Monday. Trevor, welcome back after a tough BYU loss. We hope that you managed to find some light in another uh, otherwise uh, kind of dim weekend for BYU. Yeah, there, there is some light. It feels horrible, and it was horrible in most ways, but there are also some good things that the Cougars can build off of. And so this, this was one game, and if they use it correctly – It'll make them better in the future. Okay, our question of the day. Was that an anomaly or is that a trend uh, for BYU in the performance against Oregon? Because we saw two very different versions of the Cougars the last two weeks. We did. And the thing is, I think the anomaly, I think, is the defensive line. I mean, Oregon's front seven is one of the best in college football. I mean, they have, they have stars and disrupting playmakers at defensive line and linebacker. And you saw it in that game. And so it was a tough challenge for BYU. But I think I think they can correct that on the offensive line. To me, the the more of the situation they have to deal with is depth on the defensive front. Because without playing with their top two defensive ends, Oregon executed a a brutal game plan to attack those defensive ends to attack those edges now, because not only do you lose the talent of the top two, you lose the depth in the rotation. And Oregon came in there with six offensive linemen, sometimes three tight ends with one of them at a fullback. I mean, they had a heavy formations and they just came downhill hard and BYU's D line just wasn't able to, to hold up to that overall. And that created sort of a snowballing effect for the, the back seven, because Normally, the defensive line needs to hold up those blockers at the line of scrimmage and allow the linebackers to run. Normally, the defensive line needs to get pressure on the quarterback so that the the secondary doesn't need to cover for as long as they normally you know would have to without a pass rush. And the defensive line wore down fairly quickly in this game. I think that's a matter of continuing to build the depth. Now, the depth on the D-line is better now than it has been in a long time. But I think we saw in going against an, an elite offensive line with uh, a, a, just a vicious game plan 
to take advantage of, of every weakness in terms of injury, we can see where they need to improve. Trevor, at what point, speaking of anomalies and trends, should BYU fans start to be concerned about BYU's inability to establish a run game? Granted, they have played Baylor and Oregon, two top 15 teams in back-to-back weeks. So I know that it's weighted a different way, but when should BYU fans start to get concerned about BYU's lack of run production over the past two weeks? If it continues after they get Puka Nakua and Gunnar Romney back at receiver, then they should start to get concerned. Because, again, we talk about snowballing effects. This is a very good offensive line for BYU. It is one of the most talented in the country. There's no question. The running backs of BYU are capable. The The problem exists when you're down your top two receivers and defenders don't respect your ability to burn them down the field on a consistent basis. So they're able to crowd the line of scrimmage. They're able to attack the line of scrimmage in crazy ways with safeties. They're able to, to do things that they wouldn't ordinarily be able to do if they had a legitimate fear of getting burned over the top if they tried it. And so that that's something that hurts BYU the last two weeks and not having their top two receivers. The, uh, the, the thing for BYU fans to watch in the running game is once they get a full complement of edge weapons back, then if BYU can't run the ball, they should darn well be able to consistently burn people over the top. But if they can't do that and they still can't run, now we have a problem. And certainly BYU, one of the more aggressive teams in scheduling in the country in the first three weeks. Not too many teams played two ranked teams. Oregon did. BYU did. Not many others. Now BYU plays uh, Wyoming this week that's 3-1 and one, and Utah State who lost to Weber State a couple of weeks ago by 28. Do you expect BYU to bounce back in a major way as a heavy favorite this Saturday against Wyoming and next week against Utah State? I do, just because I expect them to treat this week of practice like they would any other. I don't expect them to get down and let Oregon beat them twice. And in watching tape of Wyoming, they will see that they'd better be ready to go. Their preparation had better not be influenced by the negative emotions coming out of Eugene because Wyoming is a better team than people give them credit for. I mean, they lost their opener to Illinois, but since then they've ripped off two or three straight. Their last game last week was against the Air Force. Air Force had been averaging 400 yards on the ground, almost 396 yards on the ground. Wyoming held Air Force to 171 yards rushing and beat them 17 to 14 with a fourth quarter long drive after which they stopped Air Force in their attempt to answer that drive. So this Wyoming team is very balanced on offense. The rushing defense has shown to be very capable, and this is nobody's cupcake just because it's not Oregon or Baylor. It's a Maddich Monday on BYU Sports Nation with ESPN's Trevor Maddich. I heard a couple of your ESPN colleagues, Scott Van Pelt and Kirk Herstreet, specifically on Saturday night talking about BYU's top two receivers being out. Trevor, if... Pukunukua and Gunnar Romney had played against Oregon. How much of a difference would that have made for BYU's offense? It would have made it a much more competitive game. But I think it's very important that we not make excuses and take away from Oregon what they did. Oregon had played a phenomenal game. The, the game planning was great. Their individual players did a fantastic job of matching up and then often beating the guy on the other side. BYU fought. They fought hard. And they did a lot of good things in that game. But you've got to give Oregon credit. But if those two guys had been there, if the top two defensive ends had been there, it would have been a much more competitive game because a lot of people were saying that BYU is just overrated. Well, you got to look more deeply into that. I don't think BYU was 
overrated. I think they had some obstacles that turned into a perfect storm when they faced a very, very good Oregon team that people disregarded because of what happened to them against Georgia. And keep this in mind that Georgia is doing that to everybody. Yeah. It seems like you can't really judge teams this year by how they do against Georgia. Because you can be one of the best teams <laughs> in the country and still get absolutely annihilated by those Bulldogs. So I think Oregon is a much, 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 much better team than they got credit for because people overreacted to what happened in week one to them. Yeah, we knew Oregon was good. We just didn't know how good. Well, it turns out they're very good. Uh, we'll keep an eye on that in, in the Pac-12. Now we look at BYU and the rest of the season, Trevor. I said last week I felt very confident that BYU could go and win this game, win by double figures. They didn't. I also mentioned that if you're going to lose a game for BYU, and let's be honest, BYU was going to lose one, two, or maybe three games in the regular season at least, is that this was an acceptable loss. Now, the way BYU lost, not acceptable, but an acceptable loss. Now BYU has one loss. They hope to take care of business at home and be 4-1 and one going into Vegas against a Notre Dame team that's really struggled. Cal almost got them at home. They were almost 0-3, and then Arkansas had a real scare at home against Missouri State. What do you see with BYU and the rest of the regular season at this point? Well, they can get some of their guys back, and if they stay healthy, BYU has a chance to still have a historically great season. But let's not discount Wyoming. Wyoming, if BYU gets that win, it'll be a good win. But we talked about how BYU needs to learn the lessons of this Oregon loss and carry them forward. I think the, the biggest lesson is the culture. Because it was clearly Oregon's day from the very beginning for a variety of reasons, but BYU kept battling. At the end, the starters stayed in. Timeouts were being called. BYU kept fighting because there's a culture that Coach Sataki wants to make sure gets reinforced with every game, with every play. And it, BYU came up on the short end of the scoreboard on this one against an outstanding Oregon team. But the culture, I think, took a step forward because it's easy to blow teams out. It's fun. It's great when you're when you're winning. When you're losing, who are you? Do you wilt? Do you take a step back? And BYU did not wilt. They did not take a step back. And so even though they lost the game, I think their culture notched the win because of the way they responded to that adversity. Now, going forward, that needs to show up in preparation. Going forward, that needs to show up in focus. And it needs to show up in camaraderie. And we'll know about that as they go through the rest of this season. But if they take those lessons, BYU certainly has the talent, if they get some of their guys back, to do some historically great things this year, even after this emotionally ugly loss. Trevor, over the past few weeks, I couldn't help but personally admire what home field can do for a team. In BYU's case against Baylor, certainly the home field advantage was in full effect. BYU goes to Autzen Stadium the Ducks have won 21 straight games at Autzen Stadium, including beating BYU, and 30 straight in the non-conference. And I was in awe there, too, just how much life it can give to a team. I'm looking at what BYU has in front of them. A couple of home games against Wyoming and Utah State. A neutral game against Notre Dame in Las Vegas. Who knows how many Notre Dame fans are going to show up for that. And then they get Arkansas in Provo. In your opinion... How much does home field matter in college football? Because right now, to me, with this team and this fan base for BYU, it feels like it matters a ton. Well, I'll give you two of the reasons it matters. One is that players in college aren't as experienced in traveling and how to stay focused when you've got all the distractions of traveling. That's one thing. Another thing for BYU is that you've got the altitude. 
And that matters. I mean, coaches try to tell their players that going to play at over 4,000 feet doesn't matter. Uh, it, actually, it does matter. I mean, I'm a pilot. And airplanes, normally aspirated engine airplanes, in other words, not turbocharged, perform differently at 4,000 feet than they do at sea level. It's a, it's a big difference as time goes on in those games. And then the big thing for BYU is home field advantage, and it is one of the best home field advantage in college football as far as I'm concerned, is the fans. And I would go to what Baylor fans said after they lost to BYU in Provo. There was a lot of commentary on Twitter from Baylor fans saying that BYU's fans understand the job and they perform it well. So what's the job? The job is to help your team and make it hard for the other team to make it make it so loud that they can't function. And that is what BYU fans do. And when you put all those things together, I think BYU has a home field advantage that's greater than, than many, if not most, other college football teams. Trevor, as always, great commentary, great insight into college football in general and certainly to what happened between BYU and Oregon and what the Cougars face moving forward. Thanks, as always, for the time. Thanks, guys. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Wyoming to the rescue, Jerem. We're a game against Wyoming for BYU football. BYU football fans are hoping that a game against Wyoming will help solve some of the woes that were presented against Oregon at Autzen Stadium. So, Jerem, as we look deeper into this, what does BYU football have to do against the Cowboys to help you and the rest of the fan base maybe, move on from the loss against Oregon. Certainly a big win would help. Uh, the line is, what, 22 and a half as of Monday. Haven't looked it up since. Maybe it's slid a little bit. But a big win would be nice. Even bigger than that would be nice. Wyoming is a, a, a good team. Will they challenge BYU at home? In certain areas, I think so. But I think Wyoming's running into a buzzsaw here. This is a, an agitated BYU football team. Yep. As evidenced by some of the comments this week, they want to move on from this game. They want to perform better. They know they're better. Let's listen to a couple of sound bites to illustrate this, starting with Kalani Satake. Whenever you, you're kind of, you know, being questioned a little bit as a team, as a program, you have, you have one choice. So I've asked these guys to be humble and be hungry. Now you got no choice but to be humble and to learn. And now you got no choice but to get hungry and, and get after this next game. I wish the game was tomorrow. That was Monday. Okay. That was Monday. A little bit of agitation. Hey, let's go. Uh, Aaron Roderick, you just heard him. Let's play a more extended soundbite on the important of, uh, importance of establishing the run game because obviously BYU has not performed well in the last two games on the ground. Here's A-Rod. They're, they're really good run defense. There's always one more person in the box than you can block. Um, they're very good at what they do. It'll be a challenge, but... Um, it's the same offensive line and basically same team that ran the heck out of the ball last year. Yep. Not not concerned about it. Concerned. Uh, we'll fix it. Also, looking back at the Oregon film, was there something in particular they did? No, we got well. We got down by three scores, so we could we didn't really try to run. You were trying to throw the ball. Yeah, I mean, we didn't even try to run. We were too far down. We had to throw to catch up. Mm -hmm. So running the ball, you, we could have we could have spent the whole day trying to figure out how to run the ball if you don't want to if you don't care about winning. BYU certainly cares about winning, and that's why the Cougs had to pass a lot. Um, 
passing a lot is sometimes is a sign that you were behind. Sometimes it's a sign that that secondary stinks and you're throwing the ball down the field. But yes, a big win where BYU establishes the run, and hopefully it's pretty clean everywhere else. Would love to see some Jake Oldroyd field yep. goals yes, go through. Yes, please. Assuming he's the kicker. Better special teams overall. Ryan Rico has got to play better. Uh, right now he's not the best player on the team like he was the previous two years, as I've talked about. <laughs> Zach Wilson was two years ago, don't, no doubt. But, uh, yeah, I, I expect, and I think you do too, it, for BYU to respond really well to a, a terrible performance last week. I think they're going to come out and just blow Wyoming out. Yes, let's qualify what that dominant, yes. big blowout victory At would look like. At least to cover. Okay? At least. BYU is a 21 or 22-point favorite, depending on which line you're looking at. Okay, three-plus three plus touchdowns. Scores. Yes. That's why I say 17, by the way, because 17 is three scores. Wyoming averages – about 24 points a game. So That's not a ton. If BYU's defense does give up 24 and they cover, we're looking at mid-40s. Like, and to me, that's kind of where I, I have pinpointed what BYU's offense needs to do. I love it. Give me 40-plus, probably 45 to 48 points against Wyoming. It's and very specific range. Cougars those have those. done this a lot against Wyoming, for what it's worth. Granted, <laughs> it's been a while. Often they've gone 50-plus in the last 20 years. Uh, just get to 45, at least. If, if you're BYU, so that's a qualify. And how you do it, the run game for BYU needs to be established. Granted, Wyoming's rush defense through four games has been pretty good. Yeah. Only 126 yards on the ground given up per, per team. Including per Air Force, who Including was Air depleted, yes. but still, that's what Air Force does, right? Yeah, Air Force was missing six starters, had 37 different players sick and missing practice at some point during the week leading up to the Wyoming game. But still... Like, you got to show up against a very, very disciplined option offense in Air Force, and you got to go to work. So, only 126 a game is interesting. Like, how does BYU's rushing attack, as we just heard Aaron Roderick said, look, their, their rush defense is good. We got to figure this thing out. So, maybe this is a little bit more of a maybe challenge. Maybe BYU has to throw it. Maybe this is, yeah. To open up the run. Who knows? Maybe this is a little bit more of a challenge for BYU on a run. And I kind of like that. Like, I, I don't want it to just be like, you know, you walk over them going from Baylor and Oregon to Wyoming. I, I kind of like that this is weird. It's, it could be a little bit challenging for BYU. So if BYU can rush for 150-plus, that's something that I would like to see. That would help me feel better. Yes, and 150 is not a huge number. To most, to most teams, 200 is the number you're sure. going for rushing. But, because but at BYU, yeah. you, it's not about Wyoming. At BYU, you, UID, it's 100 minimum. you got to get to 150 because you're hoping to throw for 250. Yeah, plus. so 400-plus total yards, right? Yes, throw always. for 250, always. rush for 150, mm -hmm. pretty good balance at BYU. Yes. I would like to see the Cougars go 150-plus against the defense that only gives up 126. And a quick start. None of this weird – like, it's a nice game. Quarter. BYU's been so dominant at night, as we've pointed out. I mean, crazy. So what, 21-1 over the last four years? That's at, unbelievable. When the game is after 6 p.m.? <laughs> what? <laughs> stupid. What? Right? So they've been so good. Why not a quick start against Wyoming? That, that would help me feel a little bit better. And then Wyoming's offense is only putting up just over 300 yards a game. I think 311 to be exact. So they do not. Oh, amber is the color of their energy, Spence. Yes. Yeah. They do not have a dynamic offense. BYU's defense really has no excuses. Wyoming doesn't score a ton of points. Nope. They don't have a dynamic offense. Nope. Golden opportunity for BYU's defense to really shut things down and send a message to Wyoming. So that's how it would qualify a dominant blowout 
uh, satisfying victory for BYU is give me 45 points, give me a way better run game, a quick start, and some stingy defense. Yes, there can be mistakes. Just overcome them with more great plays or creating mistakes from Wyoming's side. Andrew Peasley is a guy that we saw at Utah State. He transferred to Wyoming. He's the starter. He's got a good enough arm down the field. He is a guy that on third and six is going to run for a first. He's going, to, he's going to look to go downfield. And by the way, Wyoming, I haven't really seen this. They have an interesting thing where typically the helmet is going to have the, the, the gear goes all the way around the top. It, it's only the bottom. It's going to look weird hmm. when you see them walk out with those helmets. I've watched like almost two games. Uh, Air Force in Tulsa, and I'm like, what's up with that helmet? It's, it's a, a wild west. It's a different design, <laughs> uh, but it, Wyoming, Wyoming certainly presents a few challenges. They're not the challenge, of course, that Oregon and Baylor are. They are better than South Florida. So South Florida, remember, BYU runs for over 300 yards in this game, highlighted by the first play from Scrimmage. Dang it, why couldn't South Florida beat Florida in the swamp last week? <laughs> Moral victory would yeah. have been. The 75-yard run sets the tone. Chris Brooks has two runs of 40-plus in that game. This is an important game for Chris Brooks, and I think that he will come out and be similar to what he was against South Florida. I would love to see a 100-yard game from Chris Brooks. Now, if Wyoming decides we're going to make BYU throw the ball, then you throw the ball and you win that way. You don't have to establish the run game. It'd just be nice, given how bad it's been the last two games, where Jaron Hall had to sort well against Baylor, Jaron Hall had to win this game, and Chase Roberts showed up in a massive way. Will we see a Puka Nakua in this game? Please, will yes. we see Gunnar Romney? At least a series or two, please. Be- because the the goal for those two is to get back to beat Notre Dame. The only way that BYU gets the real bad taste out of their mouth from Oregon is to beat Notre Dame. To me, I think even if BYU dominates the next two weeks, we're still going to go well. That Oregon game was still, but we're still gonna. That's gonna linger. But if you if you win the next two, which BYU is going to, and then you beat Notre Dame in Vegas, we will forget about the Oregon game because guess what? BYU is right outside the top mm. ten, if not right back in it, with only one loss at Oregon. Who hey, go Ducks! Hopefully they have a great season, and that loss looks like well, it's hard to I win. I was there. just gonna ask you that. What's your status on Oregon? Like, do you want Oregon now to win the Pac-12? One hundred percent. Yes, beat Utah. Absolutely. (laughs) Like BYU's opponents, I am cool with all of them winning outside of the BYU game. Utah, though, eh. eh. A little bit different. And therein lies the special factor of the rivalry. Yes, that's the rivalry. They don't don't want BYU to win the rest of the year. Come on, man. Although last year was a respectable loss for Utah to lose to BYU. It wasn't as respectable to lose to San Diego State and, what, Oregon State, I think, last year? Now, I do, I'm glad that you bring up, uh, like, the Oregon Ducks specifically because, yeah, as bad as that was in Eugene, like, just maybe Oregon rebounds and is a special team. And we look and say, okay, Georgia, they're truly in another stratosphere. <laughs> yes. Oregon's a legit top 10 team. If, if it turns out the BYU loses on the road after all is said and done to, like, a top 10 Oregon team, is anybody going to be like, Oh, man, that was terrible loss. Well, and it was early in the season. Last week I said, Spence, if BYU has to lose a game, that's the game to lose. Obviously, we don't like being down 31. No, no, down 38 to 7. The way you lose a game still stings. But if Oregon is great and they win the Pac-12 and they're a top 10 team or even a top 15 team, 
nobody is going to say that was a bad loss by BYU. No. And, and that's, that's an understandable hope. loss because Oregon doesn't lose at home, apparently. Yes, they haven't in a long time, right? And that's the hope. But the controllable is, can BYU learn from that situation, pound Wyoming and Utah State, Thursday night game next week, by the way, short week, let's go. Uh, a week from now, we're talking about Utah State in town, and then it's Friday off general conference weekend, and then you're on to Notre Dame, and it's men's basketball media days in Vegas. It's a huge week, right, for a lot of programs. You, you, this is a lead-up. The team has to focus, obviously, on Wyoming and Utah State. We do not. We, we can think about Notre Dame and Arkansas sitting there third game away and fourth game away. Get right for those teams. Yes, establish the run game. Get that confidence back. Um, you know, beat up on some G5s. And then you've got the real challenge of Notre Dame and Arkansas where if BYU can split, you're in business. You got the two and two versus the big four like we talked about. Now you got to take care of business uh, at home against some teams. You got to go win at Boy State. You got to beat Stanford on the road. Ten and two would still be uh, in the works. You can lose big and get embarrassed to Oregon and still rebound and have an incredible situation here. Just what we hope is that Oregon didn't show us that BYU is inept in these places that will bite BYU later. Hopefully the Cougars rebound in a way that shows us, no, 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 they're super legit. And like last year with two losses, BYU creeped up all the way to 14 near yeah, the end of the yeah. year. And had they taken care of business in the bowl game, would have finished top 12. Now, you bring up Puka Nakua and Gunnar Romney. I'm hopeful that they play at least a few series. Specifically Gunnar. Just get him on the field. Let him get, you know, At least dressed and warmed up. For sure. If not in the game. Same yeah. with Puka. And then on the defensive side, Tyler Batty and Earl Tuyoti Mariner have practiced this week. That's good news. Uh, the BYU rush defense gets a shot in the arm with the reemergence of those two guys back on the defensive line after they sat out against Oregon. I don't know how much of a difference that made against Oregon. It made somewhat of a difference to not have two experienced yeah. defensive line. When you're down, down 31, I'm not sure there's know. much. Yeah, I don't know, but getting all of those guys back, that should help. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Listen, there is power in numbers. And there are some things we are looking at as they relate to statistics and numbers to be watching for as BYU welcomes Wyoming for the first time in six years these teams will meet tomorrow night at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. So we'll go in-depth with our game notes, Jerem. And why not lead off with something that we've been talking about all week, dealing with BYU's success at night. Okay, first game note. Shout out to Nate Slack for this one, Vanquish the Foe. They do good work. Since 2019, BYU's 21-1 in games that kick at 6 or later local time. That's crazy. Okay, the Cougars are 9-10 in kickoffs before 6. You'd think, oh, well, those are probably a lot of P5 games, right? Nope. Only three of those 10 are P5 games. Um, and a lot of those lost UAB, Boy State, Coastal Carolina, Hawaii, San Diego State, USF, Toledo. So like quality G5s, but still, uh, BYU's got to win those. Only two of those 10 are at home before six. Um, nine of the nine wins, one in four versus ranked teams before six. But Saturday's game is after six, so BYU's all but locked it up. The one loss 
was in 2019 to Utah. That was a very good Utah team that got ranked as high as five. So has BYU already won the game against Wyoming <laughs> before they even played it? Well, by the numbers, yes. you're telling me, yes. you're telling me that BYU has like a 96% chance of winning the game if it kicks after eight over the last. Which is an A in almost every class, that right? That's unbelievable. My Spanish class junior year, 96 was an A. What? So if you were late, you'd get 2% off your grade. So if I was late, I just wouldn't show up. But anyway, <laughs> BYU is the Georgia of, of teams that play at night. It's crazy. You know what I mean? BYU's unbelievable. So has BYU won tomorrow already? Yes. BYU's already won the game. Jerem, I mean, 21 out of 22 games you've Incredible. won that when you kick after 6 p.m. Why would BYU time? ever kick before 6 Seriously. at home outside of the SEF? Game live on BYU TV. 96%. That's unbelievable. And what you're telling me is if it kicks before six, BYU's got essentially a coin flip. 50-50. We don't know. Well, uh, one, Are you worried can't about- help, one can't help but look ahead in the schedule, right? Are you worried about Notre Dame? It kicks before six local time. Mm-hmm. What is it, 4.30 Vegas time? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So just before six, 50-50 game. But you know what? That feels like a 50-50 game anyway. It does anyway. Yeah, so I'm I'm not so much worried about that one. I am very interested to see what ESPN decides to do with Arkansas coming to Provo on October 15th. Hopefully at 15th. Will that be Big 12 after dark with BYU hosting an SEC team? When we say Big 12, what we just mean is BYU. Yes. There's no other Big 12 team that's (laughs) going to do this. They're the westernmost new team, right? Yes, hopefully Arkansas is late. Liberty, we hope, is late, but probably not because it's East Coast. Uh, East Carolina is a six-mountain start, so that's good. That's the cutoff, right? TBA for Boise State on November 5th. Hopefully that's late, too. Utah Tech is early. That's FCS. No worries. Stanford, I wonder if that'll be a Pac-12 network game late. We'll see. Yeah, Thanksgiving weekend. Maybe that's an afternoon kickoff, and maybe we're all talking about, uh-oh, could get weird in Palo Alto. Oh, sorry. It always Stanford, is. California, because Stanford, California is a is thing. Is the thing. Just hey. the campus? Is it like the Vatican at Stanford? Is that the deal? Is it just Stanford, <laughs> the campus? I don't know how that works. I'm going to make everybody feel better about this game against Wyoming Do tomorrow night. Do it, please. Okay? So you it, talked do about Do we BYU's- need to feel better? We feel pretty good. Yeah. BYU's dominance at night certainly is a thing. How about just overall at home? Okay. In the last three calendar years, regardless of kick time, mm-hmm. okay, regardless of kick time, good. BYU is 16-1 and one at home. Okay, it doesn't matter. Mat- being Utah. No, it was Boise State. So three calendar years. Oh, you're saying So we're going from September 23rd, I, I 2019 yep. to September 23rd, 2022. Three calendar years. Just Boise State? One loss, regardless of kick time mm. in that span. And it was I against like Boise State last I year. I like it. Okay, so again, time of day. I know we focus a lot on that. How about overall just BYU's really, really, really strong Finally, home. Finally defending Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Like, I was pretty weirded out, and obviously 17's an atrocity and an anomaly, uh, whatever A word you want to say there. Then 2018 and 19, it's just, it's like, hey, defend home turf. It was a young BYU group that we're seeing blossom now in 2020, 21, 22. So I like that one. Okay, uh, game note number three. BYU's played Wyoming 78 times, Spence, most of any team not named Utah or Utah State. Okay. I did not realize that until recently. Cougars lead the series 45, 30, and 3. Yes, Wyoming has beaten BYU 30 times. That's because BYU doth stinketh prior to 72 quite a bit, okay? Uh, haven't lost to the Pokes since 03. 
Most recently, they played in the 2016 Point Setia Bowl at that crappy stadium known as Qualcomm. Jack <laughs> gone, Murphy. Gone now. Luckily, it was destroyed because that thing deserved to be destroyed. That was a 25-20 BYU dub. Of course, Josh Allen picked off by Kai Nakua. So th- this is a long-standing game. I do not believe that BYU is going to play Wyoming in 2024, as we've talked about, which that was the original contract. They'll buy out of that game. BYU buys out of that game. I don't know that BYU plays Wyoming again for a while or maybe at all. It just depends. Remember, we're about to go into the BYU is going to play one G5 yes. a year, yes. probably, era in the Big 12. Now, people say, why wouldn't BYU play Wyoming in 2024? It's the one group of five game, a win. You already game. have Nevada contracted as the opener at That's home. exactly That's right. You've got an yeah. FCS team already scheduled. You've got Nevada at home and then hopefully Utah. I think it's uh, at Utah yeah. that year. Right. We so renew the series. BYU's probably... Feeling like, yeah, it's been two years since BYU's played Utah. That's a, that's the big game. Or then is, you got Nevada, then you got FCS, and now you have nine Big 12 games. Is there another BYU Big Power 5 that may be the skip there? Not that I saw on no. FB schedules. No, it's there's just not. Utah. It's, it's at Utah. Right? Yeah. Okay, so there you go. That That's why. Like yep. BYU will have to pay probably a relatively small fee to get out of the Wyoming game, and I anticipate they will do that. So this Well, is kind of the last I don't even know if they need a buyout because they did put in clauses if we go to a P5. Oh, yeah, depend, depending on Maybe the there's a buyout for that, yeah. Depending on when that was put into Utah place. Utah Tech is the FCS at Utah and Nevada. Okay. So there you go. We know the three. Uh, fun fact about BYU playing Wyoming, going back all the way to 1922, we talked about how BYU's first ever win as a program. I listened to Behind the Mic. was I, a 7 to nothing victory. Against Wyoming. There you go. Crazy, right? I love it. 7 nothing victory against Wyoming in 1922. Boney Fuller scored in that game. I think we talked about it Tuesday, yeah. <laughs> they played twice that year, Jerem. Oh, interesting. Wyoming won the second game, I think 13-7. to But they played twice in it's 1922. It's like 7 against UCLA. <laughs> yeah, played twice. There was a vengeance match for the Pokes oh in 1922 gosh. after losing. To they BYU. rode horses to get to the game. Okay. Uh, now into some specific details as it pertains to what these teams do on the field, Jerem. Oh, yeah, that. The fourth game note. Wyoming has a red zone scoring percentage of 91.7%. Okay, so 92%. Pretty good. Now, let's explain what red zone scoring is. If you get inside the 20-yard line. And you score. And you kick a field goal or you score a touchdown. Yes. Then you are like, essentially adding to your red zone scoring percentage. Overrated stuff. Okay, yes. Somewhat over. It's, it's not so much about Wyoming. This is more, for me, about BYU. BYU's 69% red zone scoring percentage because they've had field goal struggles. Not nice. And have not been able to capitalize on those opportunities. Mm -hmm. So I am watching closely on Saturday night if BYU, when they get into the red zone, they can finish drives. And if Jake Oldroyd is coming out and converting on potential field goals, especially those short ones. Because Jeremy, he missed two in the Baylor game in the red zone. Yes, his three misses in a row are between 30 and 39 yards. Those are absolutely makeable. I would say anything inside of 45 for Jake Older is like... It feels pretty it much feels like feels pretty automatic. He's going to make it. Until the last three. More into your number there. So of those nine scores, six are touchdowns. BYU's six um, is 90th in the country. Uh, 46% to 113th. Not good. BYU has, you don't have to get in the red zone to score a touchdown. Certainly when you get there, you need to score a touchdown the majority of the time. I would say you need to be in the 80th percentile, you'd hope, um, in terms of touchdowns. Scoring, it's like, hey, how about it be 95%? Yeah, you could, be, field a, goal happens. You could be 100% in red zone scoring and Might. only kick all field goals, and that's not good. It doesn't matter. Right. But BYU has scored five TDs outside the red zone, meaning you score 21-plus. Big two, play. Two of 50-plus, Puka Nakua, Christopher Brooks are those two. So hoping for... More consistency inside the red zone. Okay, number five. B 
BYU averaged 2.5 yards per carry the last two games versus ranked teams. That's not great. BYU put up 8.4 yards versus South Florida. I do not expect that number against a stingy Wyoming defense. I expect that BYU to split the difference there. It'd be about okay. five yards per carry sure. against Wyoming tomorrow. Okay, five yards per carry. Yes. All right, we think that they're going to go 150-plus as a team, speaking of BYU. Yep. Right? Yep. So if you have 30 combined carries, five yards a carry, there's your 150. More right explosion. There. Okay, just there will be hoping that we see an explosive play from either Chris Brooks or Lopini Cato, just something yeah. behind that offensive line. Yeah, BYU's going to be like, oh, Wyoming's good, but this yeah. ain't Baylor or Oregon. Like, get it done. And to your point, stingy Wyoming defense, we brought, brought this up yesterday as well. Wyoming's giving up only 123 yards on the ground per opponent thus far. That includes an Air Force game. Which is, like, that's, that's kind of weird, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, Air Force, typically you think, oh, they're going to run for 200-plus. Oh, 300-plus. <laughs> like, that's what they do. It's, it's Air Force. Yeah. Okay. Another interesting thing to watch, BYU's run game against that Wyoming front. Now, the final game note I'm going to present is back to special teams. I talked about some of the field goal um, inadequacies, especially in the red zone. The punt game, weirdly, has been weird like for I BYU. Ryan Rico needs to right. step it up here. It's, it's been strange. I mean, BYU net punting a season ago, so good. 43 yards per punt, net punting. Net meaning ago. you kick and cover there. And cover, yes. yeah. I mean, just one of the best teams in the country. AK, they don't coverage. have a return, typically. Yes, because yeah. he's ripping off, on average last season, 48-plus yards per punt. This year, through three games, BYU's net punting average is 36.6 yards. And I know you should say, well, it's only like six, seven yards difference. Like, how big of a deal is it? It's a big deal. Yeah. Like, no, field, average field position is a big deal. We game. point at BYU and Ryan Rico as being a weapon. Like, like he's so good at pinning opponents. I would say he could be rip, nuclear at times. Ripping off bombs of punts, right? No pun intended with the nuclear and the bomb. Okay? I think you meant. But 36.6 yards, I'd like to see that up towards 40, if not what it was a season ago, 42.8. Yes, 39.9 is not good enough on his average as well. Long of 48, 0, 50 plus, only two of the eight inside the 20. Weird. Ryan Rico's got to be better. Jake Olderhead's got to be better. BYU's given up a kick return for a touchdown. Special teams need to be special. Right now it's just a team. All right, Jerem, let's keep this rolling. Game day guarantees. Uh, yeah, with some, some more numbers of sorts. We hope big numbers from certain people on these guarantees. You've been good in game day guarantees. Hit me with three. All right, uh, number one, Lopini Katoa will score a touchdown. He's been a group of five opponent killer. We hope and he's all team Lopini killer. Lopini Katoa, the G5 killer, mm -hmm. he will get into the end zone. His impact will be felt tomorrow night. Number two, BYU will hold Wyoming to under 300 yards of total offense. So Wyoming's, back to the first two games. Yes, games, like right? that trend mm -hmm. will return, especially at home, at night, Lavelle Edwards. I like that you're saying it because maybe it'll happen. Okay. <laughs> Unlike 300 mine. yards or fewer of total yeah. offense for Wyoming, and BYU will score 40-plus points. They go big time. I hope you offense. go three for three. Okay. I really do. Okay, here's what I've got. One, Christopher Brooks will rush for 70-plus. Right. I was going to say 100. I was feeling good on that, but I was like, mm, last two games have been a struggle. Let's go for 70. Well, Peeney's the G5 killer, so maybe he gets <laughs> true, some more run, true. too. Cougs cover. Okay. okay. BYU wins by 23-plus. All right. Whatever that number ends up being, right? Okay. And then Chase Roberts will score a touchdown. Chase Roberts will return to, uh, to get one of them. Back game. into the end zone. Because TBD on Puka and Gunner. Yeah, just, especially if those just, guys don't play. If those guys are out again, which honestly, I'm fine with them being out for this game. I would like to see them next week 
a tune-up for Notre Dame yes. against Utah State. Yes. So those are my three that I will probably yeah. go one for three. Yeah, Chase Roberts, Cody Epps, Keanu Hill, Braden Cosworth, they got it covered against Wyoming. Isaac Rex. Absolutely. Yeah. Our question of the day, what is your BYU game day guarantee against Wyoming tomorrow night? Let's hear from you, BYUSN, in Voice of the Nation, at DallinWBYU on Twitter. Says, BYU oh, covers... BYU covers the spread, agreeing with one of your guarantees, Jerem. 21 and a half right now, and does so by dominating the trenches and establishing the run. So Dallin WBYU is right in line with your guarantees. Got to do it. BYU is not going to need to throw like they did against Oregon because they were behind. Although, BYU passed for a lot. Which, by the way, at some point, I want a 400-yard game from Jaron Hall. Okay. Like for his NFL stock and BYU's sake, first and foremost. Chuck it all over the field. A 400-yard game for Jaron. Because okay. we know he takes care of the ball. We know he's efficient. He makes great throws. He needs to put up some stats in a couple of games here. Mm. Puka and Gunner returning potentially could help out with be, that. Yeah, right? Okay. This might be one. Who knows? Maybe next week. Puka and Gunner are the big play receivers. But established, well, Chase Roberts like, yo, you boys right here. <laughs> the best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. On BYU Radio. BYU's wearing navy with a white helmet Saturday against Wyoming. Revealed as much yesterday in this photo of the lineman looking down at the camera. What comes to mind here? Uh, <laughs> that's a whole lot of uh, big guys, you know. Uh, that's an intimidating scene for me, Jeremy. I think a Utah fan said it best. Like, this is what a, this is what a baby blessing looks like, right? Statue of wit. POV of a child for their baby blessing. <laughs> <laughs> that is spot on. That is spot on. <laughs> it's an intimidating scene right there. Uh, and the white helmet with the all-navy, that, that's not a common uniform combination. Third time all-time, according yeah. to Ad BYU Uniforms, uh, which tracks this. Okay. Do you like it? Yeah. I'm okay oh, with there's it. There's no combo I don't like. Yeah. I like all of them. It'll look great. It'll yeah. look great under the Saturday Night Lights, especially if BYU covers. It's going to look great. And destroys Wyoming. 50 to yeah. 14. Yes. Robert Sala, the head coach of the New York Jets, has confirmed that Zach Wilson not a surprise. Will not play until week four. We learned about this a few weeks ago. Jerem, you have Zach Wilson on your fantasy football roster. I still do, yes. Is he the answer uh, to your struggles once he is made clear and available to play for the Jets? I'm hoping he is because I need to neutralize one Jaron Hall, but I don't think Zach is going to do that by himself. I just need some... The real issue here is the BYU run game has not produced for me enough to where Chris Brooks and or Lopini Katoa are giving me a ton of points here. But I Zach s- will help. I saw a stat today that blew my mind about the Jets. Joe Flacco threw for 306 yards and four touchdowns and the Jets win on All Sunday. All 300 in the fourth quarter. Okay, first 300-yard passing good. performance for a Jets quarterback in 22 years. Yikes. Let's go, Zach. Yeah, yeah. The, the Jets go, need Zach. Zach to, like, keep that trend rolling. Follow, following is in uh, the footsteps of... Uh, Chad Joe Flacco and Chad Pennington. Eli Manning posted a homeschooled dude named Chad Powers at a Penn State walk-on tryout mm-hmm. where he ran a 5-4-9-40. Are you Chad. proud of running faster than Chad Powers? Fast Chad. Uh, yeah, in a weird way. <laughs> uh, I was pointed out by our friend Pat Haas, yes, of that Haas family, that I ran a faster 40 time than, than Eli Manning did. <laughs> We're almost the same age. He's a little bit was, older than me. Was Eli known for his quicks? Never. Uh, no. Never. But for beating Tom Brady in two Super Bowls, sir. Absolutely. Five, four, nine. I'm actually surprised it was that fast. So well done, Eli. Yeah. <laughs>
it's all slow at that level. <laughs> Can you be proud of running a faster 40 than 5.49? Yikes. <laughs> uh, moral victory for me. BYU basketball will be revealing some new threads today. Are you excited about the new basketball uniforms? Absolutely, cannot wait. I don't actually know what they are, so I'm uh, like everybody else. I just, see I see some white and royal in the picture. That's mm -hmm. all, it's just very, so I'm, I'm kind of excited about that. Maybe, maybe they're embracing some more royal. They've had a royal trim they uni have. with the old school 81 font. That's existed. Yeah, it's not new. Maybe so Royal it's gonna be becomes a more, a more prominent player. And there's something a little. It looks like there's a little bit of black. Like now we're talking because I love the black unis in basketball. There's I love. There's it. black trim in that picture that was tweeted out. Again, we don't know. Like there's black trim there with Royal. Now volleyball and soccer are using uh, prominently black uniforms. Football does not have a black uniform currently. Perhaps they'll bring it back. Bring it they, back. I, want, I would love for them to bring it back. Bring it back. Yes. Speaking of things coming back, Jerem, how about EA Sports? It's in the game, Spence. Mm, NCAA is. college football uh, is, is a game that's coming out here in, what, two years? Uh, it's going to include the transfer portal. <laughs> Many athletic directors feel like the portal's ruining the game, but will this ruin the game? The, the actual video game? No, it won't ruin it, but I feel like you could have your own transfer portal in years previous. You just create your own player. Yes. And then, yeah, add, them to, and then add them to your team and yes. customize roster. I would have myself, like, I would be seven feet tall and 400 pounds and unbelievably fast and strong. Like, are they just gonna That's simulate? That's how it rolls. Is it gonna be simulated? So like, if you are playing with a team and you have a bad season, like your the star backup, players, like, they leave. I'm out. You're like, whoa, whoa. No, 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 no. You got to like try and convince them to re-recruit. You re-recruit. Like, is, that, is that going to happen? I'm not, I, like, I never did these seasons <laughs> where I was the coach and needed to help my team. In the, I just want to play the game. The dynasty mode. Yes, I just want to play the game. Yeah, like, I, I feel you like. You play to get it's fired. It's cool. There, there are a ton of options in these games, which is incredible, right? It's a lot of fun, so it, it can appease now, a lot is of Is NIL going to be in the game? Hey, we got this local business. You can be so overwhelmed that you actually forget to play the game itself, right? Because yeah. you're like managing your transfer portal and your dynasty mode. I got enough going on in my life. I don't need to be managing the transfer oh, portal. Oh, crap! Smash Williams is transferring! What am I going to do? Smash Williams. <laughs> The Jason Street's not going to play for me next season. Uh, BYUS and social behavior expert Jason Shepard. Really? Mm -hmm, weighed in last night with the following tweet, Jerem, and okay. I quote, Can we please train people that work registers to not grab drinks by the top where we drink from? I'm not a germaphobe, but I'm also not not one. Uh, remember, this is the same guy who brings his own salad dressing to restaurants to Jason Shepard. <laughs> Jeremy Shep wrong in this case. I had not thought about this one. When the lid, you know, they're grabbing the lid that you're pulling up or you're touching the, it's probably right. Probably grab from the bottom, sure. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm with him. I love Shep. Oh, I'm, but in, in the case of this take, I'm not saying that Shep is not not a Karen. Okay. Is he a kin? <laughs> is that the male equivalent? <laughs> but maybe I am saying that. No, I kid. Uh, I, I, I'm with you. I've not even I've thought, not thought about, about that it. ever. Like the guy grabs a drink from the neck of the from bottle, the, and you're like, "Yeah, I can't drink it." Like, hey, I've can never you thought that, that ever. Although our producer will wait at Panda Express for fresh, um, 
fresh chicken. Which chicken is it? He'll wait. Oh, okay. Teriyaki chicken. Okay, that, sure. Say it. So it kind of holds up the line. We pass and we get okay. our food, sit down, start eating. We're still waiting for him to get it. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> He'll no comment from Ben in my ear. Shep is clearly not a, <laughs> he's, he's clearly not a guy that shares straws. <laughs> no. There are things called straws. That's a great point. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.